Open our lips, O Lord, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. So, where does the time go? For those of you who may be visiting this morning, um, this past week I sent a letter to the congregation saying that after being here for almost 22 years, I would be retiring at the end of August, on August 31st. And I remember the first Sunday I was here, it was a Sunday in November of 97, and like we often do, came out and welcomed folks, and I think I said something like, if this is your first day at All Souls, I understand. (laughs) And then fast forward to last Sunday, where we got to hear three of our graduating seniors preach, as is a tradition here. If you haven't had a chance to listen to them, go online. They are profound. They're incredible. And as I was watching those kids, I realized I had the privilege of baptizing two of them as infants. That's a whole generation. And as we listened to them, they said things like, Truth is a seed that is implanted in us and reveals itself over time. Another spoke of how we all are changing and evolving, and not just the young people, but even the elders. I didn't pay him to say that one. (laughs) And another, how a community propels us to courage and teaches us to speak, even if there are only a couple of us. I think about when, uh, before I came here and was in the process where people are searching and looking, and as I was interviewing, I remember thinking, this place is going to push me. This place will challenge me hugely and push me way beyond anything I know and anything I understand about myself at this time. And as the saying goes, be careful what you pray for, because indeed you have lived that. As I think about the time from that first Sunday until today, I think about today's gospel. When the spirit of truth comes, they will guide you into all truth, for they will not speak on their own, but will speak whatever they hear, and will declare to you the things that are to come. The spirit has indeed guided us and pushed us and challenged us, and if we don't think that's what the spirit's about, just ask Jesus. Soren Kierkegaard, speaking about the spirit and truth, puts it this way. The truth is a snare. You cannot have it without being caught. You cannot have the truth in such a way as to catch it, but only in such a way that it catches you. As I think back on this time from that first Sunday till now, I see many, many ways that the Spirit has captured us. I think back to a particular Sunday in the year 2000 when the vestry of this congregation stood up in front of the church at each of the services while the senior warden read a statement that was the fruit of discernment with you as a congregation saying that when it came to the fact of two persons wanting to live together and be in relationship together, we would bless all those people without any consideration about 
gender identification or orientation understanding that the only thing we would ask them is, do you wish to live a life of fidelis? And are you going to see in the other person the very face of God? And I remember my heart pounding with gratitude, realizing in that statement, realizing in that statement of you, that when we talk about respecting the dignity of every human being, we're not just playing games. I see people eating dinner in the parish hall with women who are in transition in their lives and moving from a place where people are subjects and and entitled with something about who they are and instead there are names and there are stories that are known because people have sat down at table with one another. I see thousands of people receiving mental health services on a sliding scale over the years as our community mental health system continues to deteriorate. I see people who are living on the street and people who are dealing with the incredible pressure of gentrifying neighborhoods, finding space and community in places like Kairos West. As I think back over those years, I see our youth. I see a group of our youth talking with youth from several continents while they visited the spiritual community of Tizay. I see our youth talking with the youth and adults in Cuba. And I see our youth walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. And I see them as they gathered that evening in a large circle with the two other youth groups that we made pilgrimage with. As they were reflecting on that day, reflecting on the words of President Obama, reflecting on the words of Representative John Lewis, and reflecting on what it meant to walk on that bridge and touch those girders where people were beaten simply because they wanted their dignity respected. And I've gotten to see a generation of graduating seniors stand in this pulpit and talk to us about how they have been formed and shaped by this community. And oh yes, I do see a few things done to the buildings while we've been here. (laughs) Yeah. For those of you that may not have been here for 20-some years, um, literally over that time, literally from the foundations to the roof and to the cross on top of the roof and everything in between. And how we said, you know, this really wasn't what we all bargained for, but we're the generation here, and we pray that the next generation will look at us and call us blessed. (laughs) They better. (laughs) But we didn't just gussy up the buildings. We also saw to it that we put some money aside in the endowment so that there is proactive care so that no congregation after us would ever find themselves in the same kind of hole we found ourselves in. And we didn't do it just to create a museum. What we did was realize that, in fact, there is no integrity in burning oneself out. And that includes buildings. There is no integrity in having shabby buildings and saying, someday we'll get to that. What we learned in that journey was that if you're going to love your neighbor, you've got to love yourself. The two go together. You don't get one without the other, really. That self-care and care of others have to go hand in hand. And we didn't just clean up these buildings for ourselves. I mean, one of, one of my favorite things here is to come out at the end of the day 
and walk to my car and look across the street here, and I see groups of people, and I have no idea who they are. And I love it. Because what that means is that there are so many people using the space, I can't keep up with them. Now, Becky may say that I can't keep up with a lot of things, but (laughs) that's not what this is about. It's about all the different groups here who every day of the week, every night of the grief, every night of the week, whether it's the multitude of anonymous groups or the various nonprofits that use this space, or through the years, the myriad of religious groups spanning from, from altar calling evangelical groups to the Wiccans who use our parish hall and who have danced under our trees for their celebrations, and we say, glory. Because what we realize with these buildings, we're not just providing rooms. We are providing a space. I see the moments, whether addressing city council or through news stories, The voice of all souls has always been willing to speak clearly about matters of justice and dignity and peace. And I see in the last two years the Spirit doing what the Spirit loves to do. Capturing people and messing with them. You know, a couple years ago we set out on this journey of koinonia. And what we said in the literature and in the communication was, we are going to set out on this journey, we are going to listen to the community, and we are going to come up with a signature project or a couple of signature projects in which to offer ourselves. Well, remember that adage, be careful what you pray for. Because what the Spirit did was flip that right on our head and say, actually, the significant project is you. Actually, what I want you all to be seeing that you have not seen in the way you have before is realities about racial equity. And I want you to plunge yourselves into that, to examine it. I want you to work on yourselves, ourselves, so that we stop seeing white supremacy as having to do with a bunch of shaved-head young people, but to understand, as the Spirit wants us, that white supremacy is about the air we breathe, the water we swim in, the day-to-day stuff every moment of our lives and every institution of our lives that has been set up to benefit white folks. And it is so subtle that unless we dig deeply, we aren't going to see it because it works really well. What the Spirit has done to us when we prayed to teach us about this community is something that Nicodemus found. All souls, like Nicodemus, may be seen as an elder institution in this community, 120-some years old. It may even be seen by some as a leader institution in this community. But like Nicodemus, we are finding in our elder time, in our leadership time, we are having to be born again. Like Nicodemus, we are having to learn that race is not simply about bias or my making friends with some people of color. That's not what it's about. It's about understanding the systems that promote our kids over kids of color and systems that promote us over people of color. 
As an educator friend of mine said when we were talking about our legal systems, our economic systems, our educational systems, they said, Todd, those systems aren't broken at all. They are, in fact, amazingly efficient at doing what they were set up to do. And that is to promote white kids over black kids and white people over people of color. They're doing exactly what they were designed to do. That's what happens when you pray and open yourself to the Spirit who will guide us into all truth and say, teach us what we need to know. And the Spirit says, thank you, now that I have your attention. But in all of this, it's not simply the big moments that I'm seeing. Because I'm again reminded of what one of our young people said last week. They said, you know, they, they talked about all the things they got to do, going to Selma, going to Cuba, And they said, you know, it wasn't just all those big moments. It was all the days in between. It was just the day-to-day stuff, the day-to-day that we lived around here. And I realized what he was saying is it's not just the big moments. It's like how we talk to one another on Tuesday afternoon. How we talk to one another when we're in meetings. Are we respecting the dignity of every human being? Are we listening to one another? And as he was saying that, I was thinking of the many conversations I had on Tuesdays with that kid or Wednesdays or Thursdays, and I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) He was listening. They were picking stuff up. But it's true. Because we don't have those big moments if we're not functioning with dignity and respect and listening on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday in our everyday lives. How do we talk to one another? How do we take responsibility for our own interactions in our own lives? And so as I think about these moments, I again hear Kierkegaard. We don't catch the Spirit. The Spirit catches us. And the Spirit calls us again and again to die to what we think we know about ourselves, the world about us, and even God. That like Jesus, the Spirit loves to drive us into wildernesses, not just to mess with us, but so that like Jesus, in the wilderness, we will find who we truly are. Well, so what lies before us? I want to say a few things about me and then a few things about you, and because I'm the youngest, I'm going to say it about me first. Youngest in the family, I should say, not youngest in the room, but yeah, sorry. Some of you had asked what I'll be doing in retirement. Well, I don't play golf and I don't fish. Nothing against those. I do have this road bicycle that I hope gets a lot more mileage put on it. Becky and I want to explore even more deeply the many hiking trails in this region. Some of you may have noticed that in the last few months, this new young girl has come into our life named Ilaria, our first granddaughter. Can I show you pictures? Can we (laughs) project really nicely up there, I think? I look forward to spending a lot more time with Ilaria. And and I, I, I plan to continue a practice that I've already begun with her. When I'm with her, I will often hold her in my arms. And I will press my head up against her ear and I'll say, 
remember Ilaria. Grandpa is the best. <laughs> and then Becky grabs her and says, no. Very confused kid. And my daughters have a couple of things they've got waiting for me, they've told me. But also, the Spirit has captured my soul about racial equity. And I realize there is a lot more for me to know. There are spaces I need to go into that the Spirit wants me to see and listen to. And like those apostles on Pentecost, I'm realizing also that the Spirit and the experience of the Spirit isn't just for our own consumption, and so I'm getting some senses that the Spirit's going to be asking me to speak and proclaim what I'm hearing at times. I don't know what that means, but I do know how the Spirit works. And many of you have asked why I'm leaving at this time. I have this longtime friend who for many years ran track. And the discipline they ran was um, relay races. You know, those folks that hand the baton off. It's not enough just to run a sprint. You've got to then hand the baton off. And he loves to talk about that. And he likes to say things like, it's important to know when to pass the baton. And that if you wait until you think you're ready to pass on the baton, it's already too late. For the team to function best, those who are carrying the baton need to know when to pass it off while they still have energy and competence to do so. I know what this job deserves. And after 22 years, it's time to pass on the baton. And believe me, there are many times when I've thought I'm the dumbest priest in Christendom. There are many times that I have wished I was 50 years old right now so that I could run with you into the next 10 years of your life. Because the next 10 years of your life are going to be an incredibly rich and challenging and transformative time. And that's where we segue into, what about you all? Because just as the followers of Jesus last week found themselves driven into the streets, where is God, where is the Spirit driving all souls right now? I don't have that answer, I'd be the Spirit, but I do know a few things. I know this. I know that you have two priests in Millie and Naomi in whom I stand in awe. These two people have taught me. They have challenged me. They have compelled me to be an incredible human being and a priest. And in their leadership, I have the utmost of confidence. I know this. I have spoken many years at annual reports about how much I love working with the vestries here. And once again in this current vestry, I see a group of people who are so committed to one another. They wrestle with one another. They listen to one another. They engage with one another. They're willing to bump into one another and be challenged and changed by one another. They pray together. 
and they are wise together. And in them you can have great, great confidence. In this staff, the whole staff, and in this vestry. Give them your trust, give them your prayers, breathe with them, but have great confidence in them. And again, I, um, I see these past couple of years of our journey in Koinonia to be a spirit-catching reality that truly has been not about us catching some truth, but us being caught by the truth. I see a community who's realizing that its job is not to go out and tell the community what it needs, but its job is to listen and then act. I see a community grasping ever more deeply the, the foundations of our faith. If you want to find your life, you must lose it. To follow Jesus, you must be born again and again and again and again that there is no Easter without Lent, Holy Week, and Good Friday. And it's only those who embrace Good Friday who ever find themselves walking into Easter. What these past couple of years of this Koinonia journey have offered us is a clarity about who you are and what you want to be and a clarity about what you will expect out of your next dean. What this journey has brought is a whole new set of lenses to see ourselves, to see the world around us, to see God. And it has been a long journey from that first Sunday in November till now. And it's been a journey of risk, of trust building, of creating spaces to allow the truth to speak to us and make us uncomfortable and set us free, creating spaces where voices are not shut down, but in fact, we are asking again and again, who are we not listening to? Who have traveled this path with you is of the utmost honor. To have been entrusted with yourselves, your souls, and your bodies. To have been entrusted with your children, your parents. To have been invited into the most significant and profound moments of your and our lives. All I can say is this. In all those moments and spaces, the Spirit has truly captured us. And for that, I thank you.